Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined once again, as always, by Drew Bishop. We're up to episode 81, and our coaching series uh, continues with the first ever two-time guest uh, of the Five Tool Podcast, uh, now head coach of UTA, the Mavericks, uh, Clay Van Hook. Excited to have Clay on, and uh, last time he was with us, Rocking the Crimson and Cream on the OU staff, comes on the Five Tool Podcast, bam, he's a head coach after the year, after an that's Omaha you, trip, too. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do, you know, and all, all you got to do. So, obviously, a guy that uh, I know well, but you go way, way back with Clay, and I know we're both really excited to talk to him and also just, you know, follow the progress and the trajectory <clears throat> of, of that program because it's it's got a ton of potential. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, you know, in a talent hotbed, you don't, you can stay in town and not go anywhere and, you know, find more than enough players to fill a college roster. So, um, you know, Clay's got a lot of energy. Um, he's been a recruiting coordinator multi in multiple places. So, you know, he knows what he's doing there. Um, interested to hear him talk about his coaching staff that he assembled. And, and I want to ask him, you know, a little bit about what the, what it's like when you get hired. What's those, yeah. what are those first few months, weeks like, um, you know, cause there's a lot of that goes into it that I don't think people have a lot of um, understanding of, or, or just don't think about, right. Like, you know, everyone thinks about, Hey, what are they doing with the roster? What are they doing with recruiting? But there's a lot of other moving parts too, like literally moving, um, you know, finding a place for your family, for your kids and, you know, trying to hire people that are thinking about the same stuff. Um, so uh, interested to hear what he has to say about that and the recruiting process and the hiring process and all that. But, um, you know, big fan of clay. They've been hot on the recruiting trail and yeah. interested to hear, you know, how they, how they look to build their team. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Here's our interview with UTA head coach clay van hook. Happy to be joined by UTA head coach clay van hook clay. First off the last time you're on the five tool podcast, different colors, crimson and cream, now look at you. You got the multi screens in the background. You got right. the fancy backdrop. Like when they interviewed you for the job at UTA, did you just play the Five Tool podcast and say, "Hey guys, here's what I'm about"? And they're just like, "Boom, sold. You're the man." Oh, first of all, thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've got that uh, that podcast on speed dial. I got recorded. <laughs> I, kinda, I didn't have a resume. I just sent that out and said, "Here, if you want, uh, if you want to figure out what Coach Van Hook's all about, here, just listen to this podcast." This is me in a nutshell. Oh, in all seriousness, what were those first weeks like for you? I mean, you guys would go to Omaha, playing for a national championship, just a fantastic year at OU. And I, I'm sure after that, I mean, the wheels are turning quick. You know, UTA wants to get on the ground running. They want to hire a guy. It's a crucial recruiting time. Um, what was all that like for you, that transition period? And, and have you had to had any time to kind of catch your breath right now? Uh, zero time to catch my breath. Um, you know, if, if you look at the, kind of the timeline like literally we got back from Omaha I think it was on a Monday um you know and then had some exit meetings you know you, you look at you know starting that, that interview process and then by Friday it's like new job you know so there was only probably 72 hours in there and then you know once you you get the job you kind of have a whole you know a, a broad spectrum of things that you're looking into from current roster recruiting you know building a staff trying to find a place to live like there's you know just a lot that went into it. and then get the job like right before a dead period you know right before July 4th so you really don't get the ball roll until probably that week after you know and so then you're crunched to have you know, basically a month to try to get everything done um don't think I could have drawn it up any any better um with my hires the way the roster trick out um you know finding a place to live get my kids you know kind of settled in so you know the the baseball piece of it was was always going to be kind of the, the, the simpler thing to deal with. There's going to be just all the other stuff that we did. Um, you know, but I thought the administration did an unbelievable job of making my life a lot easier. Um, you know, this was a, a job when it, you know, when it came available and I was able to kind of sit down and, and, and look at that stuff being a first year head coach. I don't, I don't think I could have found a, a better, a better spot to, to have my first job here at, at UTA and uh, me and my family, my staff were super excited to, to kind of get started. Yeah, well, talk, you know, talking about that staff, you know, one thing stuck out to me, obviously, you know, you with your dad being a longtime scout in the area, 
you know, you, you've been around coaches for a long time, right? And, and you're a relatively young D1 head coach. And you went with the experience route on, on the two paid assistants, you know, and, and I think the one thing that you and I have talked about, you know, Mike Taylor, he's had experience setting up a, a fence around the, a big city that he's in and creating a winning program at Rice. And he did that for a long time. And then obviously Coach Trapasso was at Hawaii for a long time and uh, had a lot of success recruiting the island. So, you know, I, we've talked about a little bit about the plan, um, the recruiting plan that you guys are putting in place, but, you know, shed some light on that and kind of what led you to build the staff that you did. Yeah, I think going into it, I, I didn't really have any names per se in mind. You know, I, I don't know how other first year head coaches are in their process of hiring a staff. I knew I had a, a certain criteria that I wanted because at the end of the day, being a, a first year head coach, you know, still being 37 years old, I wanted I wanted to build a staff where they could deal with the baseball, the recruiting, and I can kind of have a handle on everything else, kind of the logistical stuff outside of the baseball component. Um, you know, Mike Taylor was was easy for me. Um, he's arguably one of the best recruiting on-field baseball coaches, not only in the state of Texas, which where his background is, but in the country, in my opinion. I mean, to have a guy with Omaha trips, to have a, a national championship under his belt, to have, um, you know, that – that experience of recruiting in Texas and, and all that, the, the ties he has. And then Coach Trapp, you know, I'll be honest, outside of playing them in 2013 uh, when I was at Rice, you know, I didn't really know Trapp too well. And then you know, we, we kind of got in touch. Some people, you know, reached out and, and it we just hit it off right away. He was the, the, the perfect guy. I mean, heck, we're going into our first year in the WAC and I've got a three-time WAC coach of the year, so I'm already three behind him. Um, you know, so <laughs> that experience alone, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, this guy's this guy's perfect. But the way it all kind of gelled and meshed together um, and, and to get Ben Brazil from Baylor as well, to have a guy who's kind of on the younger end of it, um, you know, kind of up and coming, um, having a catching background was was big for me. Um, and, and, and to have, you know, him come up with, you know, with little time, you know, when I hired Trap and, and Mike, it was, you know, more mid-July. And then to get the, the that third uh, coaching spot with Ben was was really big. So, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I couldn't have drawn it up any better um, based off what I wanted. Um, and I think it's it kind of – everything that I, I felt like in those three assistant spots, I think we've got everything covered from outfield play, infield play, offensive background, catching, um, head coaching experience, um, you know, power five experience. Um, trips to Omaha because I mean at the end of the day you know we, we took this job um, to make it to the NCAA tournament and, and try to knock on the door to, to Omaha I think that should be everybody's goal that's the belief systems that we have and and I think having guys with that experience of, of seeing what type of teams are able to do that what type of you know what type of roster you have to put together I think is going to be big for for the future of this program. We know the fall is such a critical time for for what ends up taking the field in the spring um, what's the fall been like for you? I'm sure everybody's still kind of getting to know each other a little bit. And, you know, when, when people hear the words UTA baseball, what do you want them to think? What do you want the program's identity to be uh, when they go out there and compete in the spring? Yeah, I think the, the fall right now is we're, we're taking it a little bit slower um, just because it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a totally new staff. It's new names, it's new faces, it's new philosophies across the board. Um, I think allowing these guys to kind of get their legs underneath them. So because for everybody, whether incoming returner, it's a it's a clean slate for everybody. Um, you know, so we're kind of taking it a little bit slower. We're, we're probably not going to start our true team stuff till mid-October because uh, I want guys to have an opportunity to get to know us. The hardest part for me about, you know, that that kind of that individual time is is building the culture because mm-hmm. everything's really spread out. Right. Mm-hmm. You're you're trying to get infielders and shape outfielders, pitchers, catchers. You're trying to build offensive identities. So it's, it's really hard because you are limited to the four hours a week um, to really build the culture within, within the, the locker room of, of new faces, um, new coaches. So we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to, you know, have little things that we do, whether we do meet as a team for 30 to 45 minutes doing things, you know, whether it's community service or, um, you know, going to the Rangers game or, or doing little things to get these guys together more, I think is is something that I, that's really important for me because a lot of times with the individual workouts, like I said, you're trying to you're trying to create you know routines and do all this, but they're never around each other all the same time. 
you know, you have that separation of pitchers and position players. So I think trying to incorporate that as much as we can leading up into October is going to be important for us to, to build that, you know, that stability in the, in the clubhouse. Um, you know, and then I, I think UTA baseball should be an institution in the Metroplex. I mean, to have a, a place that's right in the middle of the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, and, it, and I think it goes beyond just the baseball program here. I think building the camps up to where they need to be having, you know, that, that opportunity for, for recruiting opportunities to have tournaments and, and, and all that stuff here, I think is going to be big because I look at a place like Rice where I was at and we were able to build camps up where kids were, were coming around the school at, at early ages at you know, seven, eight, nine years old and creating an identity, number one, through the camps, through the community and through the university, I think is going to be big because to me, to, have, to, to be where we're at, we should be a place that people are familiar with. We, we should be a place that people not only are, are, are recognizable, but it's a place where people want to go. Um, you know, and that's why I, I hope with the staff that we built, we brought an excitement from a, from a baseball perspective, but I think the energy that we're going to bring, um, not only on the baseball field, but in the community, in the university, I think is going to outreach to get more butts in the seats and, and, and get a real visibility for this place throughout not only the Metroplex, but the, the whole state of Texas. Yeah. So, so picking piggybacking off of that a little bit, you know, when you're in a living room or you're on the phone with these kids, whether it's a portal guy or a high school kid, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the baseball stuff from school to school is pretty similar, right? Yeah. It's ball. But like, as far as an institution and an experience of being a, a UTA Maverick, like what, what are you selling? Like, how are you selling UTA and the program and, and what's to come for these kids if they come play for you? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, just from an athletic department standpoint, I think you've got a, you know, a new president. You know, we're, we're two I think we're two months into her tenure here. Our AD just started August 1st. I'm new. So it's 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 kind of a totally new, fresh perspective. Um, I think if you look just at the university in general, I think it's a you know, it's one of those spots that the enrollment's going up. It's it's a really popular place to be, I think, right now, um, just being where it is, you know long history of being kind of a commuter school. So I think you're seeing a lot more kids that are wanting to come to UTA. So you're starting to get a, a little bit more of a, of a college experience being in a major metropolitan area. Um, you know, and I think from our standpoint, you know, the development piece of, of having guys who have a history of sending guys to the next level, guys who have a history of, of building success at the collegiate level. I think our facilities are, are unbelievable. Um, you know, I think, you know, looking across the, the state of Texas, we've, we've got some top-notch facilities here. So I think all that kind of combined together is kind of what we're selling, um, you know, and then, you know, from the sheer perspective of opportunity, you know, we, we brought in a, you know, quite a few guys that we're just, we're looking to get these guys more at bats, more innings. And I think that's very appealing uh, for guys, especially in this day and age with the transfer portal and all that. I think we're, we're, we're locating the right guys. And too, it's just, there's, there's so many kids, you know, this Dustin, y'all know that there's so many kids around here and there's guys mm -hmm. that are going off. Yeah. Um, you know, they might be getting the portal or high school kids. I think, I think it's just for us is, is trying to reach out to anybody and everybody we can and understanding that at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's an excitement. We just got to build on it because I'll say this, when we get kids here, there's an excitement when they see the facilities, they, they see the vision that we have. I think there is an excitement that's going on here and we're, just hoping to capitalize on it and, and kind of get that first recruiting class under our belt and, um, you know, kind of keep the, the excitement going into the spring and on into next summer. Yeah. Speaking of that first recruiting class, I mean, I, we've seen some of that excitement translate into some commitments already. Uh, when UTA is on the road, you know, what are you guys looking for when, when you're in person watching games, obviously the, you know, you're looking for velocity and hitting if the guy can hit with some power and run, but but beyond that, like, what are the, the types of players you look for that kind of fit what you guys want to be as a program? Yeah, I think one thing that's a little bit, you know, for us is, is our park, you know, historically has played obviously a little bigger. So the, you know, the type of player we're going to go after might be a little bit different than, say, you know, when I was at OU and you start getting into March, April and you get that south wind and it's, you know, it's a very offensive park. And, and here I think it's just a, it's just a little bit different dynamic of, you know, the type of roster you're going to want to construct. Obviously, like you said, you're looking for guys with stuff, but I think, you know, priorities, you know, commanding the strike zone from a, from a pitching staff, being able to, you know, really handle um, being in that strike zone is going to be key for us first and foremost. And then just 
the athleticism piece from a position player standpoint, the type of offense we're going to run to be able to defend at this park. Um, you don't want to give away anything here. You want you know people to have to earn their runs. Um, so I think that's kind of what we're looking for from a offensive and, and pitching perspective, in particular us, you know, but, you know, anytime you go to a game, I think you're, you know, the one very fortunate thing. And I told our staff when we put it together, you know, we're, if we're recruiting, right, we should be laying our heads down in our, at our houses every night, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're, you know, you're staying in this area, all the tournaments, every kid that we need to see is probably going to be in this area at some point, you know, so I think where that's going to help us is we're going to be able to, identify players but we're going to see you know we always talk about quality over quantity but where we're at we're going to be able to get to see quality players but we're going to see them play a lot of time so where that's important for us is we get to see them how they deal with adversity you know what's the body language you know we know in this game it's it's a you know it's a tough game to play so so the more times you can see these kids yeah you might see a kid have three really good games we might see them have two games where they struggle a little bit how do they respond that's that's gonna be big for us because that's going to show us you know, when, when stuff hits a fan, when the little adversity hits, how are they going to respond? Because how they deal with it on the baseball field is how they're going to deal with it in the classroom, uh, you know, things that, that happen to them off the field. So I think that's one thing, too, just about being in this area that's going to be really important for us is we're going to be able to see a lot of quality baseball players and we're going to be able to see them play six, seven, eight games over the course of a 10 to 12 month year. I think that's going to be huge for us just to be able to see how they respond in, in different situations. Yeah, going back to that a little bit, you know, I, I always used to remember Skip would always talk about wanting to see guys play in their high school seasons because a lot of times you do get a better chance of seeing that adversity because guys are having longer outings when they're pitching. Um, you know, it's different atmosphere for games, right? There's people in the stands. There's, you know, big hometown rivalries playing the crosstown team. Um, so, you know, you see that. And that's something that, you know, I always took that away from Skip, Um, you know, so I I imagine you've already come across some situations in your first couple of months that, you know, that you can take stuff that you learned from Skip, that you can take stuff that you learned from Coach Graham. Have you had any like obvious scenarios where you see something that your time with those guys, you know, helped you, you know, handle a situation? Yeah, I I think. You know, the biggest thing for me is that's, you know, obviously being this my first year, I'm trying to mold it all together. I, I go back to, you know, my first couple of years in coaching and I was I was straight up Coach Greedo. We get a runner on first from button them over and I look up and we're down six bullet. And I'm like, yeah, that bunt game might not might not be exactly in the uh, in the cards uh, as of yet. Um, you know, but I think, you know, trying to, you know, create all the different experiences I had with all those guys and kind of kind of mold it into my own is what I'm trying to do. I. I don't know if I could have, you know, worked or played for three of the, of the better uh, minds in the, in all of college baseball from a historical standpoint, like what Skip's, you know, doing at OU now, um, you know, but I, I do think, you know, trying to take from each of them, you know, because I, and, and kind of to your point, you know, Skip was real big in, into, you know, creating that dynamic of not only doing the select and organizational stuff in the summers, but really using that, that high school piece, you know, because I think, you know, you, you, you look at the backbone of recruiting, I think, you know, getting in touch with those high school coaches is, is always important because they're, you know, with them 10 months out of the year, you know, and for us, they're, you know, it's, it's going to be easier for us now to be able to, you know, go see those guys on a, on a Tuesday or Friday right. if we don't have a game or, you know, when those tournaments start happening in March and we can get back out. Um, but I, I think, you know, what's kind of, what's kind of interesting is, is a lot of those philosophies you think about coach Garrido, you know, to skip. So a lot of the philosophies are kind of the same and, and working for coach Graham, uh, you know, I, I think him and coach Garrido were, were very um, different and kind of their, you know, own ways, but they were, they were so similar. I mean, obviously they think about the amount of games, those two guys won. It's, uh, I don't know if Quite they're ever going to be, yeah, I don't know if they're ever going to be caught, um, you know, but like I said, it's, what's been pretty unique is, is now as I kind of sit back and, and start to think about those times is just what made them so successful is is similar their their attention to detail was second to none their their ability to get players to get the most out of their ability was second to one their development um you know did they have good players yes but the development piece of of getting the most out of those guys was second to none so you know and now having you know coach taylor who has some experiences with with all those guys coach trap you know ben i think it's you know, now we're, we're starting to, to find our niche here to mold it into to what we need to do to get the best out of, of these guys going into year one. 
Um, so it's, it's going to be exciting for sure. Uh, you know, talent is one thing. Everybody wants to get talent and skill and, and build their roster that way. But I feel like player development can kind of be a separator because it's just it's not as consistent across the board, especially in college baseball. Uh, what do you want player development at UT, UTA to, to look like, to sound like? Um, you know, how do you envision you guys going about getting the most out of your roster and elevating those guys? Yeah, I think, you know, when you talk about player development, I think it's one of those kind of those like one of those words that people use a lot, um, you know, but I think number one for us, we've got to establish a relationship where these kids trust us as individuals first. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as you start going into the the coaching perspective, you know, like Drew said, a lot of what people teach is pretty similar. It's just how do you communicate it? Um, does the kid, is he able to respond to, to what you're teaching? And two, I think being able to be flexible to, you know, what's the right cue? What's the right plan of attack for this kid? Some guys are visual learners. Some guys are, are going to need to just be able to, you know, go out and have the reps behind it. Um, you know, so I think we're trying to you know, figure out how does each kid learn first and foremost. Um, but for me, it's all about the energy and the relationship. If, if the kids see the energy from the coaching staff, like they're going to be more excited about the stuff that we do. I, I try to make sure that nothing we do is, is kind of blase. Like it's not, you know, something where we go in there and it's very monotonous. I want it to be routine oriented, but I want it to be fresh every day that we go out, um, you know, and, and just building an excitement of when they do things that's do things that are good, that are right. We've got to be excited and we've got to be very, very positive towards that. And when they're not necessarily getting what we want done, then we have to take a step back as coaches and figure out, well, how do we deliver the message differently? Why, why can't we get this out of this certain individual? Because every kid that's on this roster is here for a reason. They have the ability to play at the division one level. So we've got to figure out how do we how do we get the the most out of what they need from a learning perspective so they can get the most out of themselves. So I feel like a lot of times we, you know, we try to we try to put a lot of square pegs in a round hole, you know, and, and we do have our philosophies. We have certain parameters of, of things that we're going to do. But I think each individual kid is going to have maybe a, a different coaching plan. He might have a different development plan. So trying to make it as individualized as possible. Uh, as we can understanding that there's going to be certain absolutes that we're going to have to have here. But, and I think too, that just goes into, as you start th- through the recruiting process, like figuring out what these, you know, what's the work ethic, like what, how do these kids learn, you know, cause we've all had players There's certain kids that, you know, when you, when you look at coaching them, like they're overanalyzers. So you got to understand, like, I can't, I can't give this guy too much information or he's going to overanalyze it and he's not going to have as much success. There's certain guys that, can't tell you what the heck they're doing, you know, but they just do it. So mm-hmm. with guys like that, you just kind of back off, give them some simple cues and, and certain guys, you just let them do what they do. So, certain guys are just, are just so good that they're just going to be able to repeat what they're doing, you know? So I think that's going to be the biggest thing for us from a developmental piece is, is, is building a relationship, figure out how each of these kids learn and then giving them the, the plan of attack to, to build up as much success as they can. And, and that's where our experience is. I think we've, we've all dealt with a number of different personalities and, and all that. So that's, that's where I feel like we're going to be able to hopefully get, get the most out of these guys, you know, from an earlier perspective going into this early fall. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always think it's, it's always interesting around Christmas time when you see the hiring and firing of football coaches take place and everyone is always obsessed with the roster building, the staff building and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes that people don't often think about. And, you know, we have a lot of kids that are going to be going through the recruiting process in the next couple of years. We have a lot of parents that listen to this as well. You know, so I think it might be helpful if you can shed some light on that, you know, just just to kind of give people an idea of what it's like. Like, what kind of things are you having to think about? You know, because there's so much more than just the roster. You know, you've got your current roster, you've got an incoming group, you've got, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to hire staffs. Everyone knows that stuff. What are some other stuff that you are know, other things that you had to come across or deal with or handle, whether it's like, you know, moving your family or housing or stuff like that, that people just don't think about. Cause I think that, I think that's something that might be interesting to a lot of people that, that have never, you know, experienced that kind of thing in real life. Yeah. I, I mean, when you think about like, when you're getting hired at a certain time, it's right in the middle of recruiting season. Like you're 
like we're already behind the eight bowl because, you know, recruiting has taken place for at least a month and a half. You know, I was trying to figure out what is a roster consisted of. Um, then you've got, okay, you've got the transfer portal, you've got JUCOs, you've got high school kids. And, 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 and then you're like, well, I got to get my kids in school. Like there's like, I'm telling you right now, I was like, every, I don't even know how much sleep I got. Cause I got to wake up at four in the morning and I'm like, oh, I got to go type this down. I'd write down like 40 things I have to do. And I'm like, all right, I need to get, to get this done this week, you know, cause I'm like, it's just on your mind. So um, I think it's very, it's very interesting just to see like how much stuff does go on. And I think what, what's made my life easier is obviously the, the staff that I hired, the administration that we have here has been like super helpful. Um, you know, I think too, you know, having a new AD um, has been good because he was going through the exact same processes as, as I was, right. you know, and having a new softball coach that's, you know, literally 30 seconds right next door who's going into her first year as being a head coach. So I think, you know, having people to lean on to who are kind of going through those same things, I think that's anything you go through in life. You know, me having a, a son who had, you know, medical issues, it's having, you know, people to, to lean on to be able to vent, to be able to go, hey, did this ever come up? Like, what are some things I need to be prepared for? You know, so I think that's what's been really good about my process in particular is that I've had an AD, you know, another coach. Um, you know, there's other coaches across the country who are doing the same things where we can just kind of, you know, throw ideas off each other. Like, what are you dealing with? Like, what are some things I need to be doing? Um, you know, because for me, the baseball, being on the field is 100% the easiest thing. Like, right. I, I don't want them that. I don't want that to sound egotistical, but that's just, that's all of our comfort level, whether you're a player or a coach, mm -hmm. like you get in between the white lines, you get on the field, you're like, Oh good. It's finally, I get to do baseball stuff, you know, but it's, it's a yeah. lot of the different stuff that you're having to deal with. And then, you know, obviously recruit, like you're kind of hitting on recruiting. Recruiting is obviously the backbone of any, of any program, you know, so it's just trying to figure out like what's the best route for us. You know, we had this conversation as a staff the other day of, you know, what, what should our, priorities be what should our philosophy be and I'm like man I don't I don't really kind of have an idea we're only on month two you know so it's mm -hmm. like I don't know if it means the transfer portal is better or do you go after more high school kids I would like to think it's a combination of probably all of the above you know you want to you know you're in such a fertile recruiting hotbed being in the Dallas Fort Worth area you're got JUCOs that are, you know, I have ties with a bunch of them. My dad being a former JUCO coach and me, you know, playing in junior college. And then you have the, the component of the transfer portal. So, you know, I, I don't know what the right or wrong answer is. I know that recruiting for us is probably going to take a slower approach just because there's so much more that's happening. Um, you know, so it, I think you have the opportunity to take more time to really be able to do your research. Does this kid really fit what we're trying to do? Um, is UTA the, the best viable option for, for this young man and his family? Um, I think it's going to be big. So I think for us, maybe a slower approach might be a little bit better so we can see what does next summer look like. And it gives us the ability. I think we'll always lose sight of the kids that are currently on your roster, you know, yeah. trying to, you know, because we've all had kids who when they first showed up, maybe they struggled getting acclimated to college and you come back in March and you're like, well, this is a different kid. Maybe he just got more comfortable and mature physically, emotionally, spiritually, I think you, you, you allow your current roster to have that time to develop, to see what they can do. So you can see where does the guy fit? You might have a kid who came in as a, as a shortstop, but you find out, man, he's better suited maybe in center field. Or you have a guy who came in as, you know, a left-handed guy with a good breaking ball. And uh, maybe he didn't develop that third pitch. He come up in February, he's got three pitches. Now he's in a starter role, you know? So I think, I think that's the biggest thing is, is not trying to rush to any conclusions not trying to overload because I'm excited and I want to get, you know, a recruiting class in order, but I think putting all our, all our, our steps into making sure we know what we currently have, allowing these guys to let's coach them up, let's let them develop, see what we got and see if we have a better handle on it come next spring and summer. Clay, you're a guy that's been knocking on the door to become a head coach for a little while now. Um, I, I got to imagine, you know, the potential of, of UTA, I, that was probably an easy selling point for you, wasn't it? I mean, you, you mentioned the, where you guys are positioned from a recruiting standpoint, but also for like a college standpoint too. You're not in the middle of nowhere. You're, you're in a pretty happening place with a lot going on. 
Um, this is a program that's had success in the past, has had a lot of top draft picks and things like that. Was was that an easy sell for you? Like, man, just it seems to check a lot of boxes that this thing could really take off positively for you guys. Oh, it was, it was a no-brainer. I mean, uh, to get back into Texas, which is where all my ties are, um, you know, close with family, um, very familiar with the program. You know, when I, my first job in the Southland Conference at McNeese, UTA was – was right there in the fold. Um, you know, I remember having some uh, sleepless nights trying to get Michael Choice out. Um, <laughs> you know, so so having like Same. having that experience. Uh, you know, trying playing them at, at OU. You know, I, I tell people all the time back in 2020 um, when when we our last game we played before COVID shut everything down was against UT Arlington, and up until that point we had played LSU and Arkansas, and Missouri, and PBU. It was our best RPI win through the first 20 games of the year. You know, so you know, understanding, you know, the, the type of program that this, this, this baseball team has had over, over the course of a couple of decades was, was obviously appealing. Um, and then just the, the vision of the, of the administration um, was, was, I mean, I mean, it was awesome, you know, just to see what, what they wanted, what they wanted to do with the program, I think was, was really good for me. And then, you know, obviously the recruiting hotbed, being able to say, you know what, my farthest recruiting trip might be to Houston or, to Austin or to San Antonio, like everything's going to be, you know, very centrally located. So we're going to be able to see these kids more. We're going to be able to build those relationships to be able to have families that trust us because we know the area, you know, and two, it's, you know, I, I feel like it was very similar to my time at Rice being in a major metropolitan area where, you know, you understand that the, the college feel sometimes can kind of take a back seat, but that's where I think this place is, is going to be, it's really cool because it's, it does have a college feel. There's a lot of stuff going on on campus you know, we went to the volleyball game. I can't wait for basketball season to start up. It's, you know, I think it's got a lot of those those things that college kids want, um, which is the the college experience. But, you know, for me, it was a no brainer. Like I, I was just like, if, if if the job opportunity came available, like I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in, you know. So um, just kind of the stuff you already said, just those big positives for me um, was exactly what I was looking for. And, and, and it gave me comfort level for this to be my first head coaching job, just to know that I've already got high school, summer ball, JUCO relationships, you know, so I don't have to build any new relationships. I can just go out and, and uh, you know, start this program from, from fresh and, um, and, and being able to do that has, has been, has been really fun so far. Yeah. You know, you're talking about the, the culture and, you know, what's our, what's our philosophy going to be, you know, you see a lot of programs now that have, you know, their slogans or their mantras or whatever has, has the Mavalanche suggestion that I gave you, stuck? has it sunk in yet? Is that, is that what we're going with? Do we, I'm I mean, still filtering I gave through. you a layup. I gave I, you a layup. Just like in the recruiting process. I want to take my time, make sure I make the right <laughs> choices. Uh, but yes, we're trying to, uh, we're trying to find, find something uh, catchy uh, here at, at UT Arlington. Yeah. But here's a problem. If I go with that, then all the copywriting, all the all the uh, stuff we're going to generate from it, it's going to have to we're going to have to give you all the credit. We're going to give you the no, trademark. No, no. Just think of it as your your gift that you got from me from for becoming a head coach, right? Yeah. Like, I mean we we shared we shared a room in Santa Barbara. It's the yep. least. It, it, it's the least I could do is just well, give you first a of all, first of all, you shared the room with Jordy Mercer. I slept on the couch all summer because I told <laughs> Pintard I wasn't leaving. Uh, but to go back to kind of your original point, like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know what culture we're building. I just know we're coming in to love on these guys. We're coming in to build relationships with them. So they trust us. We bring energy, um, you know, and I think that's, that's the biggest, I, I'm just trying to make sure I, I have a handle on who these kids are. Um, my door is open and I tell them when, when the door is open, you come in, peek your head in, say hi, um, you know, tell us how you're doing, you know, cause I think that's big. I, I think we've all, we've all had, you know, those experiences. You always play a little bit harder and better for a coach that you know, that has your best interests in mind. That's always going to yeah. be there to, to have your back. I think is always, always a big plus for me. And I think early on, some of the you know feedback we're getting, you know, talking to, high school coaches talking to summer coaches that have players that are currently on the roster. It's been very, very positive, which is, which is great. Um, you know, but like with anything, the first few weeks are always exciting and everybody's, right. you know, uh, you know, so then it's going to be okay. When we hit that first bit of adversity, you know, how do we, how do we respond, how we handle it? Well, that's going to be how we as a staff handle it. You know, if, if, 
if at the first bit of adversity we start freaking out and trying to change stuff, then we're going to have a team that's going to, you know, freak out and try to change stuff in the middle of a game. So we've got to, you know, as much as we can, we want to try to be as even keel as possible. Um, you know, but uh, like I said, the, the early reports, the, you know, the early work here has been unbelievable. Couldn't, couldn't have uh, uh, had a better start to the, to the fall for sure. Now, are we really going to get out of here without any discussion about rings? Like, have, have, are we? <laughs> like, have, have we have we gotten a new wedding ring? Huh? Yes. Yeah, so here, I'll show it to you. Okay. There it is. We just got it in yesterday. It's it's there's nothing on it. So uh, okay. <laughs> nothing on it. So give everybody so, a little. Hey, so okay, Being okay. A UT grad, I did have an uh, OU wedding ring. So uh now drew drew's a little happy well i just i mean i just wanted to know if you had replaced that yet and well and since uta doesn't have football were you allowed to did, were you okay rooting for the longhorns on saturday <laughs> i i'm getting ready for uta basketball season um, oh, so my God. oh man we got volleyball going on right now give them some yeah, plugs yeah. to the sports here you uh, have you, you don't even ha- there's not a football program so you don't even have like you're not going against anybody by saying it. Hey, I'm just I'm just focused on uh on on the fall baseball component here uh. At, uh, at UTA. <laughs> we're very excited about it. Um, since we're on the subject though, yeah, to change my wardrobe, um, a lot of crimson and Nike, and now it's a lot of uh, a lot of blue and Under Armour. So pe- that's another component. So when we backtrack, people don't realize yes. like the what you build up in your wardrobe, like now it's just like, it's like night and day. Like I've got a, a totally new, I mean, it's, I, I don't like, I remember when I got rid of it, I was like, I don't have anything, you know, because oh. think about being at a place for five years is no different. I was at Rice, six years, Navy, Adidas, like you have to change out like your whole wardrobe. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm still oh, building I, that up. Hey, there was a time when like probably uh six seven years in maybe a little bit longer than that six or seven years in to working at texas so a 10 years including a player so as you can imagine my entire wardrobe was burnt orange and there was a thought that we were going to switch to under armor and i was just like in a pure panic because that was the only (laughs) clothes i had i hadn't bought a pair of shoes in a decade i hadn't bought a an item of clothing in a decade and i was like well what do we Cause they were, they're adamant. It was like, you know, if we make the switch, like it's going to be like overnight, no more, no more Nike. And I was panicking. So I, I feel for you there. That might be the, that might be one of the forget finding housing, you know, change, getting rid of that entire wardrobe is it's tough. So, so I've had to transition a lot of my, uh, a lot of my Nike stuff to kind of my off the field, you know, but then you're like, well, if usually if I'm not on the field, I'm either recruiting or right. doing, yeah. you know, yeah. so now yeah. it's just, it's yeah. that, it's yeah. that build up process of, of trying to make sure I'm, I'm getting, uh, getting all the, uh, the proper, the proper wardrobe, uh, put together is a, it's a pretty I, big component. I take, I still take a lot of pride in wearing nothing that I've paid for. Like that's, <laughs> yes. that is a, I mean, I wear, you know, it's socks, shoes, everything. If I, that in most days I can get away with it, but you know, I, I'm hoping I got to stay the same size though. That's, that's going to be one of the biggest challenges. But. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Oh man, we've gone off the rails a little bit. Well, Clay, thank you so much for taking the time. We, we know you're a busy guy and uh, uh, it's been hey, super we, cool to have you on as the head coach now of, of UTA. Well, I appreciate it. And so then I got to give you the, the new catch sign, which is Mav up, baby. All right, there we the go. Avalanche. The the Mavalanche is coming. You can hear it in the distance. Hashtag Drew Bishop on the Mavalanche. But uh, that's Clay Van Hook. Thanks again so much, Clay, and uh, best of luck. And I know Drew and I are super fired up to see the progress uh, you guys have already made on the recruiting side and really looking forward to this season because um, great staff. I know you guys turned some heads with those staff hires and are really building a special thing there at UTA. Yeah, appreciate you guys. All righty, take care. Thanks again to UTA head coach Clay Van Hook for joining the Five Tool podcast, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. You know, we had him on last year and um, hammering away as re- you know a recruiting guy and and everything in Oklahoma, and we knew he's been knocking on the door to become a a D one head coach and got that opportunity this offseason at UTA. And you, Drew, you could 
you could certainly feel the uh, the excitement in his voice. Um, I didn't I didn't notice much fatigue. I know he's probably tired from from that transition period, um, but just the excitement in his voice for that program and and rightfully so. It, it's it's got a ton of potential. You know, as he was naming off, you know, some of the aspects of the program, you started thinking, it's like, man, yeah, yeah, the location and, and the enrollment and, and the, the the changing college experience and the recruiting base and all that sort of stuff. And I'm glad he mentioned it because it does remind me some of, of Rice, you know, a program that both he and Mike Taylor are familiar with in terms of, you know, that, that mid-major type program, but that is just firmly positioned in a fantastic area uh, but most importantly, a fantastic area for recruiting. Well, I think you said it best. Like they check a lot of boxes. Um, if you're a head coach looking for a job, I mean, they they have a lot of stuff that you do want. You know, I mean, I, you're right. I mean, we've seen it right down the street. DBU's been able to capitalize that yeah. on that and just you know really corner the market on Dallas area kids. And there's a lot of them. I mean, I, I've seen it a lot as we're putting together some of these. Um, some of these academic teams, they just, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really don't, you can, you can compile a winning roster without leaving Dallas right. or Houston. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's just such a, you know, such a good thing to have at your disposal because, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a great sell for a, for a hiring coaches when you're, you can say, Hey, you know, when we're recruiting nonstop, you still get to sleep at home at night. Like that's a big deal. You know, I, you know, I think people understand that coaches travel a lot and they're out on the road a lot and it's tough. Like, I mean, it, it it's a grind. It's definitely a grind. It's a different grind in the season, but being able to say that and offer that to coaches, that's why he was able to get some guys that have some experience and that have done it for a long time. Um, you know, I mean, there, there is, they have every reason to be good. They've had big leaguers, they're in a great location. Mm-hmm. You know, there's stuff to do around. I mean, they're right down the street from the Cowboys stadium. They're right yeah. down the street from Texas live is right there now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Rangers ballpark. I mean, it's, it's, it's all right there. Um, you're close to downtown Fort Worth. I mean, there for a, a kid going to school, there's going to be plenty to do. Um, and, you know, and we, as we've seen now too, the, the facilities are, are awesome. I mean, yeah. I don't think people really have had the exposure to that that um that some that some programs have enjoyed but man that's something that he's got to sell i mean it's they've got an awesome locker room they've got the little kitchen in the locker room they've got a really good hitting facility and it's a great ballpark um and and it's centrally located to a lot of stuff it's there's a lot of really good programs within easy driving distance for him and his staff to go recruit yeah yeah i think that they're gonna have an opportunity to to you know for lack of a better phrase they're gonna have an opportunity to beat people because they're just gonna have access to getting out and and seeing games and and you know the connections that they have with the juco programs and the the summer coaches and the high school coaches and you know that's that's such an advantage you know when during your season you might actually have the opportunity to go watch a high school game because it's very close by whereas a lot of programs simply don't have that luxury. And, um, you know, you mentioned the facilities too, you know, when we stopped recording, he was kind of taking his laptop around and, and showing us, um, I, us I think, an unintentional tour. Yeah. Yeah. An unintentional tour. Yeah. Kids that get on that campus are going to be, um, they're going to be impressed, you know, with, with right. what's going on there. Uh, not just the locker room stuff, but like, you know, the hidden facility and things like that. So, um, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's a program that I've always kind of looked at and it's just like, man, you know, there's, there's a lot of potential there. And, and certainly I think Clay is, is the right guy for that, but I know he made those, those, uh, assistant hires that turned some heads because those guys bring a lot of experience and a lot of success. Yeah. I mean, the, those between the mics, I guess if you want to call them, but coach Trapasso and coach Taylor, I mean, they've, they've recruited at a high level, um, you know, and, and like I said, there's some value to understanding how to recruit in one city. Like it's not, you know, you have to have a relationship with a lot of coaches um, and which can be a good thing. And it, it can be tough. Like if you don't do it the right way and the word gets out of you in a negative sense, it can go south real fast. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, but having guys that have navigated that whole landscape before is huge. Um, you know, I, I've known Mike for Mike Taylor for a long time and, 
you know, he's very well thought of in the game. I mean, it's just that he he's always got that to sell and he can recruit, he can coach. Um, and then, you know, I know when Clay was looking to hire a pitching coach, he wanted to hire a guy that he could say, Hey, you got the pitching, go do it. You know? And so, you know, I think Clay is going to have a lot of energy spent on the recruiting trail as a head coach. Um, and so, but he doesn't have to worry about the pitching with coach Trapasso. Um, so that's, that's an invaluable piece of, you know, just, being able to have guys that you trust guys that have done it, you know, it's um, there's a lot less of a learning curve and that's extremely helpful for a first time head coach. Yeah. And I appreciated that, you know, we asked him some stuff about, you know, what do you want the program to be about and in and, and player development and things like that. It was very much a, we've got to connect with our guys and, and figure out the best way to, to get the most out of them, you know, not, none of this like, Oh, we're going to be about this and everybody's got to fit this sort of thing. It's like, no, we're, we're going to be about energy and we're going to be about connecting with our players. And we got to figure out, you know, what makes these guys tick and, and get the most out of them. But uh, really great stuff from clay. Uh, I know we're both really looking forward to, uh, to what happens there at UTA. And uh, it was fun seeing those guys on the recruiting trail this summer when that staff was hired and uh, it paid dividends right away. You know, they got a couple of, of, of really good commitments um, late in the process. A couple of guys from our five tool world series um, that really stood out and UTA was there and, you know, getting some, some looks at some guys and it led to some immediate commitments. So uh, speaking of commitments, you've got a list for us, not, not as long of a list as we're used to the last few weeks. So uh, maybe, maybe things kind of died down a little bit um, over the weekend, but uh, we, we do have some names to go through that made some commitments recently. Yeah, well, I think you're seeing, you know, now that kids are in school and, mm-hmm. and the visits are shifting to the weekends, you, you might yeah. see some a little bit later in the week. But uh, but yeah, I got some big ones. Um, not not a lot of names, but we got some big ones. Uh, Kyle Bade, uh, two, 2023 left-handed pitcher from Plano. Um, I, he was actually one of the first guys that I saw throw last year. Um, but plays for the Doolin Dodgers in the summer, committed to Oklahoma State. Uh, and you know, we'll talk about it on the next episode, but I also got to see him throw for that Blue Jays scout team. Um, and he's a strike you know, thrower, right? He's competitive. Mm-hmm. He attacks the mitt and, you know, he's a guy that I could see having a number of roles for Oklahoma state, yep. you know, and they, they may evolve over time too, but just the way he competes, um, he's going to have a chance to pitch early there. Uh, Nolan Roycraft, the 2024 from the Woodlands uh, plays for the banditos committed to rice uh, Caleb Ramirez, 2026 from Hereford, another Banditos guy committed to Texas. Jordan Stribling, big left-handed pitcher that uh, was out of area code from Highland Park, pitches for the Patriots here in town, committed to Texas. He's a guy that, you know, the sky's the limit for him. Yeah. Um, he's a lot a of potential. Yeah, he's the – we've seen him we've seen him really good mm-hmm. um but every time you see him like you can't help but just be excited at what he could be right, right? and you know i think the guy that we've talked about him reminding us of was a guy from the same little close area um that pitched a jesuit um uh kyle muller with the braves mm-hmm. and uh former first rounder i believe but yeah um there's a lot of athleticism uh big get i know the texas staff is excited about that uh, another Texas commit, Dean Hanna, 2025 catcher, first baseman from China Spring, played for a, played for USA Prime. Uh, a lot, I mean, the guy can hit. He I can mean, hit. hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a big pickup for the Longhorns. Uh, area code guy from California, Sam Burgess, 2024 left-handed pitcher and outfielder from Corona, plays for Eastern Prime, committed to TCU. Um, you know that that's an that's an area that. Uh, TCU just continue continues to hammer. Yep. Um, they've made the inroads over there in Orange County, and you know, obviously, Co- Coach Sarlus is being from out there. Um, that's a that's a part of the country that they just do really well in California um, and Arizona. It seems like every year they're getting a they're getting a couple guys from those states, a couple of really really good players. Yeah, no doubt. And then uh, another kind of hotbed area that's popped up recently. Uh, I know when I was in school, it was Nebraska that really went after this area. But uh, Mitch Haythorn, a 2024 right-handed pitcher from Eaton High School, uh, plays for the team uh, team Colorado Braves. Um, big pickup for Skip Johnson um, yeah. and the OU Sooners. Uh, he was a guy that we had in some of our events and big-time arm, a lot of potential there. You know, those that Colorado is a gold mine. Um, there's you know a lot of untapped potential, a lot of guys that 
you can really see taking a jump once they get into college. Um, and Mitch Haythorn fits that profile. Um, another guy with a lot of big potential um, and a lot of size, 2023 first baseman, right-handed pitcher, uh, MJ Sweeney from St. Augustine High School in San Diego, committed to Texas, plays for that same Royal Scout team um, with D. Kennedy, uh, committed to Texas, and also son of Mike Sweeney. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so that's the – I'm imagining that that was at least part of that Royals connection. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I wonder if, if Mike is in any way, I don't know if he coaches it. He might, I want to say I might've read somewhere that he's in some sort of coaching role. Well, yeah, um, there watching MJ, like there's a lot of power in there um, Yeah, for a guy, his size, you know, a lot of times guys that big, that young are not as coordinated as other guys. Uh, but he is, I mean, like you can see there's some baseball player in him. Um, looks to have really good instincts, both on the mound and at the plate. Um, and then staying out in California, another um, another area code guy, 2024, Anthony Lira, uh, first baseman, third baseman from Oakmont High School, plays for the NorCal um, organization, committed to Arizona in the last couple of days. So um, you're starting to see some of those big name guys that were uncommitted uh, yeah. at area code uh, commit these last few days. But that that wraps up the commitments that that we have down and um you know it's no shortage of good players in that small list no yeah some big names for sure and yeah i think you know going back to sweeney i think one of the smartest things you can do right now is is bet on the son of a former big leaguer like the hit rate of those guys is um is pretty no remarkable and i think it kind of goes back to you know how they're wired mentally and being around the game at a young age and and things like that. So uh, a lot of big names on the list there. But um, let's wrap it up here. Are, how are you doing? Because it's been a uh, it's been a tough it's been a tough football week. It's been a tough football weekend for both of us. Yeah. Um, although we're like we're also both in the same boat with our pro team. We don't really know the extent of the big injury to our best player. Like. Let Jerry well, come out today and say, hey, you know, he we're not putting him on the well, IR. Dak might be back in a couple of weeks. Like, whoa, hey, wait a minute. Like, what 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 happened to the original timeline? The the silver lining in the Dak injury for me is that I will no longer have to spend the emotional capital that I typically do on the Cowboys. Um, I will still watch. I'm still a fan. I will still root, but I also We'll go into it without expecting to win mm-hmm. any of the games. I mean, they looked awful the other night and unsurprisingly, just because, I mean, they just, they didn't make any moves in the off season. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they really, you know, they just stood pat and let some depth walk out the door there. I mean, they lost some star players. They lost their depth and it was pitiful. I mean, all the way around. I mean, I thought the defense actually played pretty well. But they're going to, you know, we've seen teams like that before where the defense just carries you, carries you, carries you, and then they just run out of gas. Well, you're, because, you're describing the Steelers. That's that's right. that's exactly who they are. You know, that's yeah. who they were against <laughs> against the Bengals. Um, somehow went to overtime and needed Wild a, kicking, kicking gifts to barely win a game that they were plus five in turnovers. And like, that's, yeah, you know, sure enough, they had a lead and the defense wore down a little bit. It's on the field so much. And yeah, it's a, uh, it's an excruciating way to watch NFL football when you know, your team's going to be, their defense is going to keep them in the game every game, but that your offense is so, I don't know if inept is the right word, but so mediocre that there's just yeah. not a lot of, not a lot of upside there, but, um yeah just a uh it's 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 hard to have much optimism about our nfl teams right now but the college team is is in a weird yes. spot too because there's plenty of optimism coming out of the alabama game which frankly they should have won and not, i don't say that as yeah. like oh they blew the game but right every it seemed like every break that could have gone either way went against them yeah. Um, both from the officiating side, obviously the injury side with with viewers and then card hobbling around there on an ankle. And it was just like, oh, man, just just so, so close. But um, 
a lot of optimism, but also too a lot of uncertainty, not knowing what in the heck the quarterback situation is going to look like uh, for a UTSA game that, hey, they're going to be fired up to come down. They don't care who's playing quarterback. They're going to be fired up to come into Austin and, and try to to shock the state, at least, and maybe the nation, too. But um, just a, well, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a my, weird, weird, like a, a thrilling game, minus the result. But, like, coming out of it, it's like, okay, what's kind of next for the next few weeks? Yeah, well, I mean, the the thing for me is kind of what, what I'm hoping is, like, UTA is not a team that anybody should be taking lightly, first of all. Uh, but, you know, human nature is human nature. And coming off of an emotional game that had been built up for, you know, years, really. Time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just there's no time. I mean, Sark's – we're going to figure out how good of a coach Sark is this week. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, having the guys ready to play, I, I do think that the quarterback situation could be a blessing in a sense that it just makes everyone be a little bit more alert this week. You know, having that feeling that they're going to have to step it up or do their part a little bit more with, you know, with uh, with Quinn being out, with Card yeah. potentially out or at least hobbled at best, um, you know, that may keep the focus a little bit, you know, if, if it needs to be kept. I mean, they may be locked in regardless, um, and hopefully they are. But, you know, just human nature, you just never know. Um, but yeah, no, I was I was proud of them. That was a heck of an effort. Um, they were ready. Um, yes, you know, just 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 like the national championship game in two thousand nine. I mean, the similarities are absurd. Like, I mean, it just so many things happened in a similar fashion. Uh, but you know, Quinn was dealing, man. Like some of those throws he made. Yeah, Not many his, people make those. The way throws. his feet were moving, the way his head was moving, like I always like watching quarterbacks' heads because it kind of tells you a lot about how they're processing and what they're seeing pre-snap and their confidence with what's being called and running the offense. I mean, it, it was, it was everything. A number one overall recruit, like that was those boxes were checked. I mean, it arm talent, decision making, running the team. I, I mean, it was it was really really good, which makes. Uh, the injury even more frustrating because it it felt like that was going to be a signature and a very very early signature game uh, for Quinn Ewers at Texas. But uh, if if Card is able to go, I guess that's the luxury of having another really 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 talented quarterback as a backup yeah. um, because they're going to have to lean on him for sure. But the crowd was the crowd was amazing. Like it was a very um, it reminded me a lot of a college crowd when I was in school and I was fortunate yeah. to be there from 05 to 09. So obviously a lot of winning during that time. Yeah. Everybody was into everything. It just played a role. Like you know, it got hot too, you know, it was, it was really yeah. nice in the morning, but it was, it was definitely toasty in that stadium. I was surprised that very like there were Alabama fans there, but there weren't many in the stadium, you know, so they didn't get their hands on, on many tickets for sure. But yeah, we'll see what happens this weekend. And, uh, I agree with you. It'll, it'll tell us a lot about what that coaching staff, you know, who they are and who they're going to be in the future, because this is, this is going to be a test, you know, to have everybody ready and, and have the quarterback quarterback position ready, but have the team ready to to elevate right. that position and, and just, just win in advance, just survive a week, move on the next one, survive the next one. Yeah. So. Yeah. No doubt. That's the name of the game. Yeah, so I'm scanning Twitter. I do not see any new Dak Prescott updates, so we have nothing new there. Um, who knows? Jerry might come out and say a couple of days, uh, hey, he's just going to tape it up and, and go with it. Uh, oh, by the way, did you see who is the – I think this was of the entire NFL. Did you see who is the highest-graded center, according to Pro Football Focus, in the NFL this week? Center. It's a new position uh, for him. I did not – Connor Williams. Oh, oh, hi. Okay. Yeah, it reminded me of that when you uh, when you were talking about depth. Um, former, oh, I I said for, well, so former Cowboy Connor Williams. Yeah, well, that I knew that that was gonna. I mean, he was a he was a whipping boy for Dallas fans, and rightfully so. Like he had some like glaring, yeah. some glaring sacks let up, and some mistakes and some penalties. But you know, if you de- if you dug a little deeper on the numbers. He was more than a serviceable guard. And yeah. that's kind of what is crushing the Cowboys right now because, it, you know, they let Cooper get away, whatever. 
not a big fan, but like they let a lot of guy guys go that were good or average to good, mm-hmm. and they didn't replace them with someone better. Right. That's that's the most glaring omission of the of the offseason for them is they just didn't get better at a lot of spots and they got worse at a, yeah. at several. So and there's nowhere nowhere does that sting more than the lines. Let yeah. me tell you, buddy. It's, oh yeah, it's. Oof. You spend a lot of draft capital a couple of years, and if it doesn't work, you uh, you have the line the Pittsburgh Steelers have. But all right, well that wraps us up. Thank you for letting us entertain um, you with getting our football emotions out in, into the space. Uh, very uh, very complex, wide ranging emotions for both the NFL side and the, and the college side as well. So uh, until we talk to y'all next time, make sure you're following. Uh, five tool podcast on twitter at five tool pod on instagram at five tool pod and all of our, our twitter coverage uh just in general from five tool um we're we're out there again fall events are going on um scout team stuff is going on we're going to have some full breakdown of both the uh, blue jays and dodgers scout team on our next episode of, of the five tool podcast but uh thanks again to clay van hook for joining us uh, and until we talk to y'all next time take care